You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. The first live episode of All the King's Men is in the books. Sad that it had to come on the heels of what can only be described as a disappointment. I want to thank everybody that listened and called in live. And if you couldn't listen, but you're hearing it now, thank you as well. This is going to be a replay of exactly when it went out last night, minus the commercials. And we hope to start doing these more frequently, particularly around the draft and free agency. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, as Patrick O'Neill mentioned, even Snapchat. Send any questions or comments. The account name across all social media platforms is King's Men Podcast. That's one word, King's Men Podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes or any other place that fine podcasts are aggregated. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. This is All the Kings Men Lock, breaking down the NHL draft lottery and covering all the news you need to know surrounding the Kings. He scores! Get more Kings content on the LA Kings channel on the iHeartRadio app. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Brender and Jesse Cohen. It is the first big day on the NHL post-regular season calendar for teams not participating in the playoffs. A night where a ping-pong ball can change the fortunes of a franchise for years to come. It is Draft Lottery Night. Welcome, everybody, to All the Kings Men Live. I'm Rob Brenner. Going to be joined in a moment by Jesse Cohen as well as Dave Joseph. We are doing something new and exciting here on the Kings channel bringing you more live and interactive content and that starts right now with this live platform we have the opportunity to involve you in the conversation you can reach us with your king's questions by calling 310-341-0232 you can also tweet at us at king's men podcast or you can send it to my twitter as well if you like at robert brender with that the draft lottery is now in the books it happened within the last hour and we know that the L.A. Kings, who finished with the second-worst record in the league this year and had a 13.5% chance of picking number one, slipped in the draft, and now they're going to pick number five, or at least that's where they slotted right now. Jesse, good evening. How are you, my friend? And obviously uh, a little bit disappointed, I'm sure. Yeah, I had to come in from the hallway. I was kicking trash cans and screaming expletives at the heavens. Uh, I'm doing all right, Rob. Dave, I'm sure kind of the same feeling, a little bit somber at the idea of not picking one or two at the very least. Uh, yeah. Yes, for sure. Uh, obviously, the Kings are hoping for the one number one or number two pick. Didn't happen. That being said, a lot of talent out there, uh, out there this year, especially at the forward position in this draft. I think a top five pick, you still can't go wrong. So I'm actually pretty still excited about this i'm like jesse i'm still excited about it. <laughs> well everyone's excited except for jesse on a regular basis we'll that's get true, to that's that true. in a little while <laughs> just for the folks that did not get the opportunity to watch the draft lottery itself again the kings had the second best odds of getting the number one overall pick as it turns out they slip as i said to number five the new jersey devils move up a couple of slots they were projected to pick third or had the third best odds at 11 and a half percent and they will pick number one the New York Rangers moved up from the number six spot to pick second. The Chicago Blackhawks are the team that really made out like bandits in this draft lottery. They were projected to pick number 11, and they moved all the way up to number three. The Colorado Avalanche via the Ottawa Senators. 
are going to pick number four, and then the Kings in at number five. So as Dave said, kind of to play off of that, there are a lot of prospects in this draft, tons and tons and tons of them. And even though this was labeled as the lose for Hughes draft or even Capo Caco, who everyone loves, is either the number one or number two, you just never know, Jesse, where you can find a diamond in the rough. And picking a number five, it's not really a stretch that you're going to find a good prospect at that point. No, and I look, I hate to sound like I'm pulling a muscle bring being positive here but vancouver drafted fifth overall last year and they got uh, dave correct me here elias patterson that's how you say it elias Patterson. Elias, you're close i yeah, get yeah. it wrong every time. but i mean look that's a kid nobody was um crowing about last season heading into the draft and he almost single-handedly dragged vancouver back into contention it's been my position and frankly the position of the front office and a lot of players on the roster that this team wasn't as bad as the record showed hopefully with a new coach and hopefully with whatever player they can get here in fifth, plus all the guys already in the pipeline. You never know, right? Top five is top five. And that leads us to the next question, I guess, Dave, which is now it kind of opens up some other possibilities. You start thinking a little bit further down that draft board, whereas everybody, again, if you were going to be one or two, it's either Hughes or Caco. That's the consensus around the world right now. And now you start looking at some of these other names, some of the other guys with the national developmental team, Alex Turcott, Zegris, a guy who's getting a lot of play right now, Dylan Cousins, a kid who plays in the WHL for Lethbridge. So there's a lot for us to discuss tonight and maybe kind of the direction they're going to go but I, I would think and I'll, I'll pose this question this way when you're a team that does finish where the Kings finished this year with the worst record in the Western Conference I'm not sure that it mattered if it was going to be three through five they had to probably find the best available player at that point and so I would think as compared to looking positionally now they're just going for what they think is the best yeah I would agree and if you look at uh, the top 10 prospects or the projected top 10 in the draft eight of the top 10 are forwards so essentially, you're probably looking at selecting a forward at that number five pick, right? And, and you look at the guys you said, Hughes and Kako and Cousins and all these guys. Uh, I'm looking at the Hockey News right now. They have uh, Vasily Pudkolzin at number five. You're looking at a guy who's 6'1", 190, probably NHL-ready, has an NHL-style uh, body, and is physically ready to compete in your number one, I would think. Um, not a bad pick, right? I mean, it's, it's not... Jack Hughes, that's really jumping off the charts at everybody. It's not Capo Caco, but you're, you're still getting a solid pick at number five. So I, again, I'm trying to talk Jesse down here a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, he needs to help. yeah it, it's, it's not all, it's not all gloom and doom here. I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of positives to, to bring into this at number five. The, the concern is that this was clearly a two tier draft. You had Caco and you had Hughes and everybody you, else. If you got sure. the top pick, you had a choice to make. If you got the second pick, you took the guy that wasn't taken and then, listen, I'm sure of the players, you know, ranked third through probably 15th to 20th, there probably is some sort of correct order. But the reality is we don't know it and we won't know it for 10 years, right, how good all these guys right. are. So now the question is how much confidence do you have in choosing Cousins over Datch or Doc or pronounce it? Um, and we don't know. You know, that's you just have to put your faith in – in the draft, in the scouting staff, the development staff, and a little bit of the hockey. And this brings up a point, by the way, and we were talking about this before the show started. Where did Kopitar uh, get selected? 11th. And Brown? 13th. Okay, so how many more guys did you list off that got picked uh, beyond number 10? There, <laughs> no, there were a few. Look, <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this all year long. Jonathan yeah. Quick was a, what, third-round pick. Jeff Carter was 11th overall. But, but each of those drafts, just to keep playing the pessimist, um, the 2003 draft was a particularly deep one. So you, you take 
Brown and Carter out of that equation because that draft, you look at the first round and it's unbelievable. Kopitar dropped to 11th because he was Slovenian and nobody uh, knew who he was. Right, exactly. Right. And it was a weird draft anyway. Teams, it was like the last five years of records determined where you picked in the draft. So maybe teams didn't necessarily need to take home run swings on guys. I'm not concerned that the number five overall pick won't be a good player. I'm sure he will. I just don't know that he'll be as good as Hughes or Kako is anticipated to be. And that's, you know, they, that's the kickers that you spend three months, four months talking to everybody about, do you tank? Do you push? What, you know, what about the culture of the club, all this stuff. And then it's all rendered meaningless by an arbitrary <laughs> ping right. pong ball selection that gives Chicago a team that was three wins out of a playoff spot right. yeah, yeah. the number three overall. I'm still yeah. upset, obviously. <laughs> You're in this front office, Dave, on a regular basis. You're around these guys. You see Rob Blake walking back and forth every single day, I'm sure. You know the mentality of this group. How disappointed do you think they are? Forget about us. Forget about the fan perspective. How about the front office? you think they're disappointed, or do you think they look at this as a challenge right away? Hey, let's – you know what? We got number five. That's okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. Let's go find the best player. Yeah, I think it's it's what you just said, and I think obviously there's going to be some disappointment if you don't get the number one pick. You had a 13.5% chance of getting the number one pick in the draft. That's not happening right now the way it stacks up. That being said, you still get a, a top five pick. You get a number five pick. And that's not to say they can't move up from that either or there can't be other moves that are made in the first round. Maybe you get another first-round pick if you're able to trade some. And I don't know what's going to happen, but there are options available. Worst-case scenario, you're getting a number five pick, right? That's, I think, by any stretch of the imagination, that's a good thing. And that's someone who I'm sure the organization hopes can make an impact right away on this club. Can they play right away year one in the NHL? I'm, I'm sure they hope that's the case. We don't know that's the case, but I'm sure they hope that's the case. And... Listen, all the guys that are on this or could be on this team next year looking at uh, uh, Kapari and the Anderson Dolans and the Velardis and all those, there's a lot of pieces yet to fit into this puzzle. So this just adds to those pieces. It's another piece that they can plug in to say, where is he going to fit and can he play next year? Just to reset, guys, for just one moment, for anyone that's just joining us, this is All the Kings Men live. We are doing this show live at the Kings facility in El Segundo. That's why we put live in the title. It all makes sense. <laughs> it's the first time, though, that we've done this on this platform, so it gives us an opportunity to take your calls. Again, 310-341-0232. Again, that's 310-341-0232. If you want to vent, just discuss the draft pick, uh, where you think the Kings should go with this pick, or you can tweet us at Kingsmen Podcast. Also to let you know, Kings Director of Amateur Scouting, Mark Yannetti, is going to join us right around 640. That's the expected time. Should have him for about 15, 20 minutes, so a great opportunity to get a feel for what the Kings scouting staff knows about these guys, which I'm sure is much more in-depth than our knowledge of them, to say the least. And so we'll get uh, some great feedback, I'm sure, from Mark about where they're going to go with this number five pick. Jesse, let's talk about needs. Mm -hmm. This is a team, obviously, if you're going to finish where they finished, they're going to have more than one and more than probably three or four. So it kind of goes back to the point of picking for best available or what you think is the best available player at that number five spot. But I want to ask from your perspective, what do you think the biggest needs for this team are? Well, it's coaching. It's not something you can draft, frankly. I mean, they're going to have to get the coaching right. They're going to have to get uh, the culture right, as, as even GM Rob Blake said yesterday in the exit interviews. It's about 
environment. It's about eliminating that entitlement from the from the players. And I, again, I'm not using any language that the organization itself hasn't used. So that's the real kick. And and frankly, as far as the draft pick goes, now that I'm sort of coming down off my rage high for a bit, um, you're not gonna draft a savior. Saviors don't exist in hockey, right? You can look at every player you want. Crosby didn't do it alone in Pittsburgh. Ovechkin didn't do it alone in Washington. You know, even Dowdy didn't do it alone in L.A., right? It takes a team, and it takes time to build an identity and a, and a structure and a focus. So as far as what they can draft right now to address a need, I think you just take the best player available, right? You, we're going to use this word a lot. You either have trust in your scouting staff and your development staff, or you don't. And we've seen Matt Roy. We've seen Sean Walker. We know there's Kale Clegg, uh, Alex Lindsay-Niemi, the Sean Dursey they acquired in the Muzzin trade. Like, there are defensemen that are going to come through. There's free agency. There are ways of acquiring players besides, you know, relying on the NHL to hand you a top three pick, even though you were six points out of a playoff spot. Um, so, I mean, so, so I just say... Bitter party of one. So I say just take the best player available. And as I said, trust in your scouting staff that they're going to deliver you a, a piece that will be part of a, a contending team in the future. How important do you think it is, Dave, to have the head coach in place? Because Jesse just referenced it. I think that's a huge part of this. Have that person here, and there's some rumors going around that the Kings are obviously reaching out now. Uh, maybe it's Todd McClellan, maybe some others. But having that person here to give their input, they're going to be coaching this team. And a lot of times, yeah, the, the general manager wants the most control over the roster, and then you just let the head coach go coach. But I think it's always good to have that head coach's input when it comes to how he thinks those players are going to fit into his system. How important do you think this is for the front office to get that head coach hired before this draft in June? Yeah, I know. I think it's big. And I think anytime you can have another voice uh, as an input into what you're looking for, whether it's, you know, obviously you have Rob Blake and you have Luke Robitaille and the guys at the top making the decisions, but if you have someone else who sees the game maybe from, you know, different eyes, a different viewpoint behind the bench, and they have seen this team and they know what this team needs, maybe that's very helpful to have another opinion come into the conversation and say, hey, what about this guy? This guy could help out the team. Uh, I think that's good, and I think if it's Todd McClellan or, or anyone else uh, who, who might be available, who might be hired by Blake Kings, I think that can only be a good thing. I don't think you can have enough uh, voices when it comes to your scouting staff, when it comes to your GM, your president, all those all those guys and guys who have played in the league and know what it takes to win. I think the more, the merrier. The more opinions you can get there, the merrier. And I think, again, top five pick. I don't think you're going to go wrong with, with any of these guys who you're going to pick. Jesse's kind of rolling his eyes at me, so maybe. No, <laughs> but, not, not rolling but. my eyes at you. Uh, somebody suggested something on Twitter that I want yeah. to throw out. Oh, what's, what's their handle? Uh, their handle since they're real. Puck right follower. Here. There you go, puck follower. That works. Uh, Billy Puck follower. All right. he, he tweets at me all the time. Okay. Um, I don't think there's any reasonable expectation that the Kings could trade up. But what if there's an offer to trade down? It's a great point. Opens up some possibilities maybe to acquire assets, mm -hmm. maybe additional picks. That's It's a great thought. I mean, look. They, uh, two for one type thing? Yeah. And I mean, so the you Kings, get two first-round picks or? I, I, who knows? I mean, right. maybe it could be a prospect and a pick. Sure. Or maybe it could be two seconds. But yeah. the Kings have the pick they acquired in the Muzzin trade from Toronto. Right. Um, Toronto, if they lose, I think the, the highest the pick from Toronto can be, I think, is 18th. And obviously the lowest thing would be is 31st. But by the time the draft happens, we'll know where it falls in that. Spectrum. So you know you have another set, uh, first round pick already. If you don't have real solid feelings about any of the players we mentioned earlier, maybe yeah, maybe you do take two 
in the first if some other team has a stronger feeling. I mean, it could be a consideration, certainly. Yeah. Look, it's a team, again, with so many holes and so many needs. Right, and calm you, down. Well, look, uh, <laughs> let's just be honest here. But they have holes and they have needs. And so if you can plug two players into your lineup or two players into your yeah. system, you would always want to do of that. Course. Of course, yeah. it depends on how far you're going to move down. And also, they might, their scouting staff might fall in love with a player at number five that they know is going to be on the board for them. And in looking at some of the stuff that's been written about this draft, again, outside of Hughes and Kako, it still sounds like a lot of these prospects that were going to fall from three to, let's say, ten are still considered big-time players. They didn't get the billing that Hughes and Kako got, and especially the guys that played with Hughes with this national developmental team because Hughes was so good, because all the talk was about Hughes. You forget about the Turcots who played next to him and, and the guys on the second line like Zegris who can obviously be plug-and-play guys for you right away at the NHL level, too. So I, I think there's talent there, and, and you know, again, the, the Kings might find a guy at that spot and say, that's our guy. I'll just say this. If Edmonton is the team offering to trade up, i do it because they're wrong. <laughs> so you can, whatever Edmonton you wants can, to do You can trust them to whiff on whatever pick you're giving them, <laughs> and you just take their pieces and you say, thank you very much. By the Other way, than the, that, I don't know. The, uh, the last time the Kings had a top-five pick was number five, 2009, Braden Shen. I want to point that out. Pretty good NHL player. Stuck around since then. And, uh, and a guy who obviously isn't doing it for the Kings right now, but he's making a difference uh, in a couple of different cities, and he's been in um, St. Louis now for the last couple of years. They've only picked as high as number two in the draft. They've never had the number one pick in the history of the uh, franchise. Three times they picked second. Last one was 2008, and we know Drew Doughty came out of that draft. So That turned out pretty well. Yeah, that worked out all right, did, right? right? Well, and Stamkos was number one. And I'm sure new, whoever New York takes at number two will be just dandy, right? <laughs> I, you, you just you think about that, though, and you think Dowdy goes number two, and if, if the Kings were had the opportunity to select Steven Stamkos instead, would the team have won two Stanley Cups? No. I say the same thing. No. I, I would agree with that. So you, you don't know what you're getting, but, but well, and both it, of them are franchise changers, right? Sure. Look what Stamkos has done in Tampa Bay over the years. Dowdy, look what he's done here. But, I, again, it's it's a similar type situation with Hughes and, and Kako from what everyone is saying at this point. We won't know until their careers play out. But it seems like a very similar type situation there with the top two picks. And uh, I believe we have our first phone call. We don't. We'd like we don't. to take it, though. We do want to take it? One, I don't remember the number. Oh, you don't remember the number? Where That's have you what been? I'm pointing at you. Yeah, 310-341-0232 <laughs> is the number. I thought you were pointing at the machine like that. No, we're trying to get people calling. to call in. Oh, that's right, yes. 310 341 Three, two, or again, the Twitter stuff works as well at Kingsmen Podcast at Robert Brender. If you like, uh, either way. Again, if you haven't uh, caught up on the big news yet, where have you been? The Kings are picking number five, or at least they are on the board to pick number five in the June entry draft. They were uh, projected to pick second. They had the best odds to pick second coming in. Colorado via Ottawa would have picked first, but things got moved around because of uh, the way the ping pong balls fell tonight. So the Kings are going to pick five. I'm going to. They actually do have for all. right, let's go ahead and take it. Sir, you are, or ma'am, you are on the air with Kingsmen Live. Oh, can you hear us? Hello? Yeah, hi. What's your question? Uh, yeah, I was wondering what you guys think of Cole Caulfield, if he's worth picking up at pick number five, even though he's undersized. Cole Caulfield, uh, and thanks for the call. We appreciate it. One of the kids with the National Developmental Program. <laughs> That was an interesting sound. Thank you for that, Jesse. Uh, might be the draft's best pure goal scorer, according to some people. Uh, very small guy, five foot seven. But of course, these kids can all grow. You never know. Maybe he adds a couple inches. But we've seen that size 
hasn't really been a huge factor in the NHL the last several years. We're seeing a lot of guys that are undersized, flourishing. Johnny Gaudreau, you can point out, or Braden Point. I mean, there's just so many down the line right now. Used to not be the way in the NHL. If you didn't have six foot, six one uh, on a scale, yeah, good yeah. luck is right. But yeah. now it's no longer like that, and we've seen these kids flourish. So now we're talking about a kid in Cole Caulfield at five foot seven. <laughs> so as compared to talking about the prospect himself, I'll just put this to you, Dave, with this. The size or should the size of the player, the, the height of the player specifically, should that matter at this point? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I think if you look at the guys who are uh, having some great success in the league right now, you look at the uh, – I'll use Johnny Gaudreau as an example, right? He can fly. He gets through the open areas on the ice. He's got a great shot and a quick release. If you have that, if you can skate well, if you can move, it doesn't matter how big you are. I think it helps if you have a little bit of size. I think you can play more of a physical style if you want to play uh, uh, Kachuk type style with a little more size to your uh, body and a little more physicality to your game, that's fine. But you don't have to in the NHL today. Um, I'm just thinking of some of the smaller players in the league and, and the success that they've been having. I don't think it matters at this point. The game has changed so much where it's about speed, it's about angles, it's about how you get to the open areas on the ice. It used to be you had to be big, you had to be Eric Lindros, you had to be this behemoth that could just pull people over. I don't think that's the case anymore. And that brings up an interesting point that we're going to get into in just a little bit because Hughes and Kako, big difference in size there as well. The two guys that are going to go likely number one and two in this draft. We are going to take a timeout. We come back more of your phone calls. Again, 310-341-0232. Rob Renner, Jesse Cohen, Dave Joseph from King's headquarters talking about the entry draft. We do ask that you hold your calls till we come back from the break, though. We don't have the opportunity to put you on hold. Though. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> hold those calls until after we get back. This is All the Kings Men Live. Rebound, loose, a scramble, score. Back to All the Kings Men. Go, Kings, go! A look at the Kings in today's NHL Draft Lottery. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Brender and Jesse Cohen. And Dave Joseph, absolutely. I'm just back. Del Segundo, we are at King's headquarters. As you heard, Rob Brenner, Jesse Cohen, and Dave Joseph all here with you. We got you for oh, about the next hour or so. We're talking about the draft lottery, which happened earlier tonight. The Kings are going to be picking fifth in the upcoming entry draft, which is in June. And, of course, we are taking your calls, 310-341-0232. We've got our next caller. What's your question? Go ahead with your question, sir. Got delayed, too. Hey, uh, first off, thank you, Jesse. Um, I moved from L.A. after 15 years to Miami this year, and with how bad the Kings have sucked, I've actually enjoyed your show uh, <laughs> more than watching the game. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, th this is super paranoid talk, but do any of you guys find it odd that the three biggest TV markets are, like, the three teams that got the top three picks? I'll take that one. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do find it odd. But you weren't shocked. But you, weren't shocked. <laughs> you said it, of course. Yeah. Right when it happened, you said the same thing. But no, I don't think uh, that it was a rigged or anything like that. But thank you for listening. Thank you for the kind words, and thanks for your call. Yeah, we appreciate the call. Uh, look, the, the Jersey, draft, the, draft the Rangers, <laughs> Chicago. What yeah. else do you need in there? Could the Islanders, you know, uh, they're a playoff <laughs> that's team. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. right. As right. someone from New Jersey, I can tell you 
that that is not a even though it's in the New York metro area and it is all part it's not of that. New York. When it comes to hockey, it right. is not New York. It is Seven not miles between the two. Yes, but I mean, it could be a lifetime away though. Almost no one. I can. Tell I get you, it. The, New the York Lakers area. and the Clippers play in the same building, exactly. and it's not the same thing. It's exactly. the same thing. Yeah. I don't care. Not the same I don't thing. Care. It's sort not of. The same we thing. got another call real quick. We're yeah, going right. to go uh, to Augie, super fan Augie. Augie, what's your question? Augie, you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's your question? Oh, wow, your speakerphone's really breaking up, guys. Turn down your radio. <laughs> that, that always <laughs> well, helps. My ra- oh, my radio is First time, long time? Uh, it's muted. I'm a veteran when it comes to this stuff. What do you got for us, Augie? Okay, hey, real quick. You know what? It isn't all gloom and doom, although I find it really funny that Chicago with a 2.5% chance uh-huh. leads into a top three pick. That's hilarious. Uh, I, sent, I sent a graphic to uh, Dave Joseph a little while ago. That the, res- that the lottery results were leaked a half hour ahead of time on Twitter because somebody saw it on an ad-free uh, internet feed. And during a fade-out, you see the, uh, you see the uh, image with the stars next to uh, uh, Jersey, uh, the Blackhawks, and the New York Rangers. But putting all that aside, it is what it is. Yeah, I think we'd like to officially uh, say we don't believe it's rigged. It's just awfully convenient. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's awfully convenient. That's just the way it goes, and I'll I'll go with the fact that this is I'll go with the theory that this is on the up and up. But I mean, look, even at the number five pick, if you go back to the last five years, uh, the number five picks and later, I mean, you've got guys like Noah Hannafin, uh, Elias Peterson, uh, Clayton Keller, uh, Barzal. All all those guys were drafted after the the, at the five five pick and later. So really, what it comes down to is the King scouting staff doing their due diligence yep. and looking through and picking what the best fit for this team is right now to address all of the needs. And there, there are a lot of needs, and, and getting the, get, the best guy there who's got the best long-range potential. Uh, I agree with you, Augie, and thanks for the call. We really appreciate it. And we, we've kind of yeah. echoed that point earlier on, which is we, we think that you have to trust your scouting staff. And this goes for all sports and all teams that have drafts. You have to trust that the front office that you have in place is going to make the right call. And sometimes, even when they do their due diligence, the best possible work they can to scout these guys, you can't look into their mind and you can't look into the future, and sometimes things just don't work out. I mean, there are occasionally players that just fade away, whether they're taking number three or four or five. It really doesn't matter. So uh, we're with you. you got to trust the Kings front office. They're going to make the right call on this. And as we said earlier, Lots and lots of good prospects in this draft. Alexander Dick. That, well, that's one that uh, may not have worked completely. <laughs> Let's uh, go on to our next caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yes, Hi, Philip. First I would like to ask, how's Bailey doing after what happened? How's Bailey doing? Has anyone <laughs> seen Bailey in the building? I have I have seen Bailey, and Bailey is doing okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Bailey is doing the line I, I, is fine. Hang on. Yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. I'm sure that Bailey is uh, cheering away at this, and thanks for the call. We appreciate it very, very much. Uh, yes, Bailey, we haven't checked on Bailey. We should, although sometime soon, though. You never know how things go minute by minute. Let's go to our next call. What's uh, your name and where are you calling from? Hello? Yeah, Hello? hi. What's your name where are you calling from? Uh, this is Alex Leon. I'm calling from San Fernando Valley. Uh, hey, Alex. What's your question? Uh, my question is, do you think it's actually a blessing in disguise that if the Kings get to pick fifth overall, 
and pick up someone who may not quite be NHL ready, that it leaves an extra roster spot for some of the prospects we didn't quite get to look at as much as we would have liked to at the end of the year? That's a really good question. And actually, Jesse, I'll go to you with this one. But I, personally, I don't think that's necessarily the best tack to take. You want to take a stud at five. Whether they're ready or not right now, now that's another question. Would it be okay for this team specifically with where they are in their build for next year yeah. to take a guy that's further off? No, I actually agree with the caller, uh, Alex, I believe it was. Because yeah. my, my hope was that they would pick second mainly because whoever drafts first, the pressure's all on them, especially in a two-player draft like this one. If Jack Hughes doesn't turn into the next Patrick Kane, it won't be Jack Hughes's fault. Jack Hughes is just Jack Hughes. But whoever takes him will have to, you know, bear that burden. Whereas the second team picking overall just takes Kako, and Kako is whatever Kako is. So, yeah, I think it's entirely possible that this could be, uh, as the caller said, a blessing in disguise. Because there's no hype, because there's no anticipation, the player, you know, there's no pressure for him to come in in his first year as an 18-year-old. Let's say they take someone like Dylan Cousins. He can spend another year or even two in the juniors developing and becoming the best player that he can be, which is ultimately what you want. Well, and I, I guess it goes also to this point, which is, and I'll, Dave, I'll ask you this one. Sure. Where do you think this team wants to be as of next season? Forget two or three seasons down the line, because if they're going to draft a guy who's not going to be ready, let's say, next year, mm -hmm. there's still a lot of work they're going to have to do to find guys that can fit into this roster. They're going to help them try to compete for a playoff spot. Is that the mentality of this team, that they want to compete for the playoffs next year? I know every team does, in theory. Yeah. But, but do they think Stanley Cup is in their future soon? Well, I think every team has their sights set on the playoffs at the beginning of every season. Is it a realistic goal? Sure, to make the playoffs, I think it's realistic. Do they think they're going to compete for the Stanley Cup next year after the season they just had this year? I wouldn't think so. I mean, every team would like to think they would win the Stanley Cup, but finishing 30th? Uh, is not really the best-case scenario there to, to set up to win a Stanley Cup next year. Uh, that being said, with all the pieces they have in the system, players who are coming up, the players we mentioned earlier, obviously they want to see those pieces fit into the puzzle somewhere here. Does that make them a playoff contender next year with the moves that are going to be made this offseason? We'll see what happens over the next couple of months before the draft. Uh, it, it sets up where I, I would think – they would think they would want to be playoff contenders. Are they Stanley Cup competitors at this point? I wouldn't think that they would think that is the case. Fair enough. Again, Again, that's my opinion only, but uh, that's what I would say. Yeah. Again, we're taking your calls on all the Kingsmen live. Jesse's got his finger on the trigger. He's he ready. does. I know. He's this guy's excited. very excited. 310-341-0232. Uh, Our next caller, uh, where are you calling from? What's your name? Uh, this is Rob. I'm out in Rancho Cucamonga, uh, close to where the rain plays. Yeah, nice, how you doing, nice. Rob? Hey, I'm doing good. Disappointed, I'm sure, uh, just like all the Kings fans out there. I'm just, uh, and I'm sorry if you guys have already touched on this, I just don't uh, understand how this system is considered fair where our beloved rain out here in the IE or in the uh, very last worst team in the AHL and then the Kings are the second worst in the NHL, how they figure the system is fair and are trying to keep teams equal and was kind of interested in your thoughts on this. I, I don't think fair is the right word. I mean, they instituted this draft system to avoid tanking because I guess the argument was that you don't want teams uh, to, you know, to deliberately be bad. And that's, that's not only to protect the ticket buying public, but also to, you know, protect the integrity of the games, as it were. But you're not wrong. It's not fair to arbitrarily award <laughs> three teams, you know, in the middle of the pack with a number one overall pick. I'm not sure, ultimately, 
that there is a quote unquote fair way to 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 handle forcing young players to go play for teams that aren't their own choice. I mean, we talk about it in terms of our own team in any given season, but imagine you're an 18 year old and and you grew up in a certain market or you had you know a team that was your favorite team and you wind up being drafted by Buffalo or Edmonton or Winnipeg and you now have to go spend I guess now it's what seven or eight years of your career playing in one of these markets, or even if you just, if you're John Tavares and you had your heart set on playing in a Maple Leaf jersey and you, you know, spend the, the first part of your career on, on the Long Island. So I think I think this draft ultimately, because Chicago and two teams out of New York, sorry, Rob, um, <laughs> <laughs> wind up with the top three picks, I think we'll see some more tweaking of the system. But uh, how would you go about making it more I'd fair, get, though? I put fair in quotes. How do you make it more fair? Is this not the? I'd get the rid of the draft entirely, but that's a conversation. That's a longer conversation. You get rid for of the draft entirely, and then what? Free agency. Let them let them come in. He one night. This was about two weeks ago. Called me and went off on a tangent about this, <laughs> where it was not the short version. It was here's how I would do it, and he really went through this. And he believes that free agency would work and still allow for competitive balance, which I'm not 100 percent. So you could go after you could go a, go after whatever. And apologies to the people trying to call while we do. You it. could go after whatever player <laughs> yeah, you want, and absolutely. you could sign them for whatever kind of money you want for seven years. There's only so many spots on a roster. So let's say Toronto and New York gobble up the first. Well, there's 40, a salary cap too, so you have to keep that even in mind. You, you can't even if you got rid of it. There's only so many salary cap. I'm just saying hypothetically. This is a big conversation. I'm yeah, trying no to give you the bullet points. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, but even if New York and Toronto went out and gobbled up the best 40 players, right, in one draft or yeah. two drafts or yeah. three drafts, yeah. there's still another 600 kids available every year or whatever it is. And, and you can't just, right, like if I'm some kid and I come mm. in and Toronto's got a super team, what's to prevent me from going to Montreal or Vancouver or Winnipeg or Edmonton or Buffalo or Detroit? He, he, he really any any team that doesn't have a star player. Anyway, you like I said, bigger conversation yeah. for another time. It, We're going to take another definitely, call. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> let, let's go to our next caller. What's your name and where are you calling from? This is all uh. the Kingsmen Live. Hi, I'm Zandra and I'm calling from New Jersey. Oh, hey, how you doing? Uh, New Jersey, that's an interesting <laughs> place to be calling from tonight. What's your question? Yeah, well, I've been a long-time Kings fan, so lifelong All right. Kings fan, okay. so I'm not, I'm not any happier than any other Kings fan is, but um, first of all, I wanted to say that Bailey is the only thing that got me through this awful season, <laughs> and then secondly, I wanted to ask, what do you guys think is going to happen with the Vets? mainly quick because he's been my favorite since I was 13. All right, we're going to get to that, but really quick, let me ask you this. Since you're in New Jersey, I'm sure you have other hockey fan friends that are Devils fans. What's the reaction been like so far from them? So I grew up near the Philly area, so it's mostly Flyers fans who are ah. my friends who are just as pissed as we are. Okay, that's fair enough. They're picking 11th. Well, we appreciate the call. Thank you very, very much she for that. She must have been calling from Voorhees. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> South New Jersey. Uh, Jesse, do you want to answer that one for her? She was uh, wondering uh, about player yeah. movement and Jonathan Quick's future. I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think it ultimately comes down to what the market is uh, for a player like Jonathan Quick. And frankly, yesterday I took a look at the Kings cap situation, and I hadn't realized it before, but Jack Campbell's unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And I think the reality is if, if the offer for Jack Campbell is greater than the offer for Jonathan Quick, then I think you have to trade Jack Campbell um, and get the greatest return. And if the Kings are, as they say they are, looking to recreate the roster or, or they don't anticipate being competitive next year, then your priority should be on, on getting the highest return. And 
you risk losing Jack Campbell to free agency. Jonathan Quick is signed for four more years, and if your highest priority isn't on where you finish in the standings, it should be on on acquiring assets. And if Jack Campbell's your is is your best return, then I think you trade him. But we're going to take another call. Real quick. Yeah, we'll do that here in a second. Uh, actually, let's go to our next. Yeah, let's go to our next caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello. You're with all the Kingsmen Live. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Well, that one dropped, right. obviously. You know, I want to ask you this really quick, Jesse, yes. though. To that point, let's say they do wind up finding a, a solid trade for Quick. Mm -hmm. Do they then split time between Campbell and Peterson next year? Because we're seeing that that's kind of been the in vogue thing this year. We saw it in Carolina quite a bit where they had a two-goalie system that's worked out really well for them for the most part. Uh, we saw it for a little while in Nashville. UC Soros gets a lot of playing time. Boston, especially with Halak and uh, Tuka Rask. Is that the kind of thing that you think more teams, especially with the schedule now being what it is, are going to go to where they, they feel comfortable with two goalies rather than one? My suspicion, and Dave, you tell me if I'm crazy, my suspicion is they hand the net to Peterson and you keep Campbell as a backup. And as I was don't fall in love with backup goalies. And so if you do wind up losing Campbell, then you wish him the best and you know you hope he doesn't turn into a Vezina <laughs> candidate um, like uh, Kemper did out in Arizona. But my guess is you give it to, to Campbell. He's looked great, and uh, I don't think yeah, I agree with that. We're going to try this number again. Yeah, we'll go to answer our next call again. Uh, All the Kingsmen Live is with you. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, it looks like they dropped again, unfortunately. <laughs> Did we have a second one waiting there, Jesse? Nope, was same, that num same okay. number. Same number. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, uh, again, to get into that point, wh what do you think the direction is? Is it a two-goalie system for the Kings next year, potentially? or uh, they go Potentially, they yeah. I mean, I can see them splitting time, but I, I think the lion's share of the work would be given to, to uh, Cal Peterson, uh, agreeing with what Jesse says. I think they got a taste of Cal Peterson this year and what he can do at the NHL level, and – uh, I'm guessing they were pleased with what they saw. He put up better numbers in the NHL than he did in the AHL and kind of in front of a patchwork defense. So I, I think Cal would be the guy, but maybe a 50-30 type situation there, 50 games, 30 games. Back to the phones. This is All the Kings Men Live. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is the Prevailer. I'm calling from L.A. Hey, bud. How you doing? What's, what's your question? Hey, how's it going? Good. Are we good? good? Yep. What's yeah, your question, ahead. bud? Oh, I'm just uh, in re in response to the other call. I think trading down would be counterproductive to what the Kings is right now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good players available. You got Zegris, you got Byram. Maybe put Cole in the Russian guy. Maybe he falls because people don't want to take a chance on him. And I think that you know Kings fans uh, have a lot to look forward to still and can take solace in the fact that uh, Ottawa uh, didn't get anything. You know, in the <laughs> Abs they fell to fourth. You know, so and 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 another thing is like, you know, the Kings. They can't. They, they we can't tank. They, they got they got to make a run for the playoffs every year. Look, this is just this is this is just a proof why. So um, yeah, well, uh, keep your head up, Kings fans. I know it hurts, but uh, we're gonna get a good player. Well, thanks for the call. Uh, I, I don't it. think there. I don't think there's any any uh, emphasis on tanking for this team. I certainly wasn't saying that. You just look at the roster and you look at where they finished this year and how many teams jump from thirtieth to first overall in the league or fifth overall in the league. It just typically doesn't happen. So th and that's why I think it's going to be a couple years. They're talking about the, the retooling of the roster. That's going to take a couple years for that all to mesh and for this team to be competitive. You know, interestingly enough, the Rangers, who have this great pick this year, they move all the way up to number two. They're a team that, like the Kings, have kind of gone with that retool method for years and years and years. And then finally, a couple of years ago, they say, you know what, we're rebooting completely. Right. And we are just going to call it an actual rebuild. We're sending a mess base this is the product that we're going to give you for the next few years a rebuilding product and when we think it's built up again 
we'll be ready to compete. And, and it's an interesting philosophy to take because, again, we're talking about a company and an organization that decided not to do that forever, which is why they've never picked number one either in the draft. And the Kings, it sounds like, are adopting that same philosophy and have for many, many years, which is we're the L.A. Kings. We're going to reboot this thing. We're not rebuilding, and we have veteran talent on the roster. So uh, fascinating to see the direction that they do choose to go, and I, I think that's still sort of to be determined, and uh, we'll see how the offseason plays out for them. We are expecting Mark Unetti, Kings Director of Amateur Scouting, here in the next few minutes. Rob Renner, Jesse Cohen, Dave Joseph from the Kings headquarters in El Segundo. This is All the Kings Men Live. More exclusive Kings content is available on their dedicated channel on the iHeartRadio app. Now back to All the Kings Men. Your hosts, Rob Brender and Jesse Cohen. And welcome back to the Kings facility in El Segundo. All the Kings Men live. Rob Brender, Jesse Cohen, Dave Joseph. It is draft lottery night. The Kings are going to pick fifth. Or at least that's the pick that they have right now. We'll see if there are any trades that are made on uh, on draft day. You just never know what can happen. But as of right now, they fell from what was hopefully going to be the number one or two spot all the way down to number five. Not too, too terrible. And still lots and lots of great players on the big board on draft day to choose from. No better person to talk to about what draft day is going to be like. All the guys who are available, because God knows he has probably scouted every single one of them. It's the Kings Director of Amateur Scouting, Mark Yanetti. Mark, it's Rob Brunder, Jesse Cohen, and Dave Joseph. How are you? Good, how are you? Outstanding, and thank you very much for giving us a few minutes. So obviously some disappointment in this room and in this office right now, but from your perspective, and I asked this of Dave earlier, you must look at this as a big challenge. You fall from what was expected to be a guarantee of either Jack Hughes or Capo Caco at number two to this number five spot. Does the scouting staff as a whole say, all right, now's when we earn our money. All these guys we scouted, now we have to really find a gem at number five. Well, I mean, it, it's certainly, uh, we, have to, we have to do a lot more work now. Uh, you know, if, if we were picking second, we would, we, would have, we would have a pretty good idea of who we were taking. So uh, fifth opens it up, uh, opens it up to uh, probably six or seven players when at one or two you're really looking at one or two players. So uh, there's certainly uh, a little more work to be done. But, you know, if, if you look at the history of the NHL draft, uh, very, very good players are available at five. So um, it's, just, uh, it's just a matter of getting the right one. Mark, we got asked this question earlier, and I think it's probably the most obvious question in this scenario. Do you look to fill a specific roster spot in the in the Kings development program, or do you just take the best player available? Um, I, I think I've said this before in, in, in when I've been asked this question. Um, you, you have to take the best player available. Uh, in, in the, you know, uh, I've never wanted to shy away from areas where the Kings have made mistakes. Um, I think the biggest mistakes uh, we've ever made uh, at the draft table have been drafting for need instead of drafting uh, the best player available. Um, and and I can think of a, a couple of times where maybe, you know, the, the, I understand um, the emotional quotient of, of of wanting to fill a need. You see it. You see a you, you see a deficiency in your team, and you, you want to fill that need. It. it the problem is, you know, we've done that in the past, and when the player is ready to play, all of a sudden that need isn't there anymore. Um, most of the time in the first round, especially when you get past the first or second pick, you're talking a minimum of three to five years for these guys to be players. You know, you, your best case scenario really picking from three to 
you know, three to 15, three to 20, is a three-year window for the guy to make the team, uh, a four-year window for him to, you know, for him to settle in, and then the fifth year he's a competitor, uh, a contributor. So when you draft for need, you often draft for a need that's no longer there, and leaving a better player on the pool, it then it magnifies that uh, that problem. Mark, if, if with the fifth overall draft pick, if, if the Kings do select fifth and there are no moves made in the first round for the for the LA Kings, is the fifth overall pick someone who you see fitting into this organization right away and playing NHL minutes, NHL games from day one, or is it going to take that two to three to five years to make that jump to the NHL? You know, I would never limit a, I would never limit a prospect or a player by, by, by putting an artificial governor on him uh, uh, and saying there's no way he could play. Uh, I, I hate I hate I hate to be limiting in any in, in any area of my life, whether I'm myself or if I'm dealing with a prospect. Uh, so I would never say he uh, he couldn't contribute right away. But if you look at the numbers, if you look at the percentages, if you look at the history, uh, at pick five. It, it, it's it's far more rare of an outcome that someone comes right in and plays. It certainly would be a bonus, and it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, that being said, it's it, it's unlikely. Um, you know, you're looking at uh, you're looking at someone who would probably take two years of uh, amateur hockey, uh, to, you know, to begin uh, you know to begin to be ready. Uh, again, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, we've seen it. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, you've seen it with, with some guys uh, like Marner was really, he was able to play very quickly. Um, so, you know, in recent history, you've seen guys, you know, taken, taken from that fifth, fifth, and, uh, fifth to tenth pick that can come in and play, but I certainly wouldn't. I wouldn't, you know, while I wouldn't want to limit a guy, I certainly wouldn't want to keep unrealistic expectations on him either. We're talking to Mark Yannetti, Kings Director of Amateur Scouting. This is all the Kingsmen Live. Mark, I, I want to ask you about picking a player with size compared to a player that may be a little bit smaller right now. And, and this generally pertained to number one and number two as we looked at those two picks initially because Kako's a guy that has a lot of size at six foot two, and Jack Hughes, the perceived number one pick throughout the entire season, is a kid who's just five foot ten. But even as you go down to the number five pick in the draft, you're going to have some options there between kids that are a little bit bigger and kids that just aren't at this point. When it comes to the size, do you guys care at all about that right now, or are there other factors that you guys look at that are much more important? Well, I think everyone cares about size. Um, you know, to say, you know, uh, you know, it, it's obvious that smaller players can not only play, not only contribute, but they they can excel and be different makers. I mean, you see it across the league. Um, so to say that we're not concerned about size, all 31 teams are concerned about size. Uh, what happens is. If you're going to be a smaller player, you have to be better in certain areas. Um, a six foot four guy doesn't have to be that much better, but a nine guy, you know, he has to excel in, in certain areas. So I'm not concerned with size. Our, our scouting staff is not concerned with size um, in, in terms of a vacuum. But if you're going to be smaller, um, you need to have some dynamic elements. Uh, and and as you know. Jack Hughes is an easy one. I mean, he's dynamic in multiple areas. Um, his size would be zero concern for me or anyone on our staff. Um, it just it just depends. It depends what attributes a smaller player has and high and how high level those attributes are. 
Um, but you know, to say that you know, I, ideally, I'd rather have a six foot four player with all those attributes, but <laughs> that doesn't happen either. So um, yeah, size wouldn't be a concern. It's more attributes. It's more uh, level of, level of play, level of potential, things like that. Mark, even when the season started to go sour earlier this year, I don't think anybody anticipated the Kings picking in the bottom five or top five, depending on how you look at it. Of the players ranked in, let's say, the top ten on the prospects list, how much experience do you have and does the organization have scouting these players? How confident are we in, in what they have to offer and ultimately what kind of player they'll turn into? Oh, well, even in years when, you know, when we've had the 30th pick, um, uh, you know, those years in the beginning, the, the first uh, the first quarter of the season, if you break it down into quarters, the first quarter of the season, you spend uh, doing a real macro, uh, you know, a, a wide swath of, of, of players. So you, you, you're trying to get a little bit of information on a lot of players. So this is, you know, you're trying to, trying to get an overview. So um, regardless of whether you're the first place or 30th place team, that first quarter of the season is spent, is spent accumulating information on on every player. Um, each, each one of our scouts is a geographic location, geographic area to cover. So um, their job doesn't change for the first quarter of the season, no matter what. So uh, we had just as much on Jack Hughes as we would have had on a guy in our seventh round in the very early part of the season. Then as you start to see where your, where your season is going, you start to focus a little bit more. And even early on when things weren't going well for us, you're, you're constantly optimistic things are going to turn around, especially with uh, some of the some of the times our guys have turned it around in the past. You're, you're optimistic it could happen, but you start focusing. Probably we started focusing on some of those higher end players, and then by the half the halfway point of the season, it became obvious where we would, would be. So um, again, we, we our scouts have a certain amount of uh, of mandatory minimums they have to have on every player on their list, and then. As you go uh, go higher and higher level of player than than they have been more and more years, so uh, we're we're intimately uh, familiar with anybody who would be a potential pick uh, at at five and a potential pick at wherever Toronto's picking. Uh, intimately knowledgeable. So now, Mark, what do you do? What does the scouting staff do between now and June 21st when the draft is upon us? How much uh, do you guys get together, and what is the talk? What's the focus on now that you know that you have the number five pick? What do you guys talk about between now and the next two or so months? Well, we don't talk about here's a cackle. So it's two guys, you know, it's two fewer guys to focus on. Um, but it, it, it'll, be, uh, it, it'll be similar to years past, except, um, you know, at, at 20 last year, um, Kupari was one of the guys that we were focusing on because we thought he might be available at that pick. There were also eight other guys that we really had. Uh, so now, instead of it being eight, ten guys you're focusing on, at, at five, it's really going to be three to four, three to five guys uh, that we'd be focusing on. Um, and uh, there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, w without giving away trade secrets, I mean, uh, there'll be a lot of focused work uh, and numbers, uh, the, you know, the broad term of analytics. Uh, you know, there'll still be some live views. We go to uh, Europe tomorrow uh, and get and get the under-18 and, and the under-20 tournaments in Europe. Um, so it, it'll just be, it'll be a little more focused in terms of, of, of who we're watching. 
back because we're cutting out at least half the players uh, that we would have looked at last year. Um, although we'll still be doing that with Toronto's pick, so maybe it's actually, you know, it's, it's a little more work, but it's a little more focused work for five. We're talking to Mark Yanetti, Kings Director of Amateur Scouting. Just one more before we let you go, Mark. I want to ask you about these kids from the National Developmental Program here in the States. I was talking to the guys about this earlier. It sounds like there was just so much attention paid to Jack Hughes, and rightly so, a kid who's either going to go number one or number two, one of the great prospects in this draft. But the other kids in that program, Zegras, Turcott, and there's even more beyond that, Caulfield as well, probably would have gotten more attention as being great picks and guys that are going to be tremendous NHL players if there wasn't a superstar-level potential talent on their roster with them. With that, I'm curious what you think of that, those couple of players that I just mentioned, or a few players that I just mentioned, and that program in general as a whole, which really seems to be at an extremely high level right now. Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't think the play, well, you know, Jack Hughes obviously gets a bulk of the press, a bulk of the um, media attention, social media attention. Uh, he's obviously the most fun to talk about in terms of a fan-based way or, you know, even uh, for a reporter and stuff like that, um, you know, because he's considered a generational talent. In terms of scouting or, or like that, um, you know, Jack doesn't get that much more attention uh, when you're watching a game, except for the fact that he has to puck more than some of the guys. But you, you know, you're watching, uh, you know, you're watching those other guys exactly like you're watching Jack. I mean, especially the guys who play in his line. I mean, you know, you're watching him pass the puck to Caulfield. Uh, you know, you're watching Caulfield get open for him. You know, you're watching, you're watching how they complement each other. You're watching, you know, what, what, what potential deficiencies you know Caulfield might have when he's not playing with him. And then you see Zegers get to play with him, and then you compare how Zegers plays to how Caulfield plays to how Boldy plays to how Turcotte plays, and, and you watch all those guys together. So um, there's so many there, there's so many little um, intersecting uh, and, and complementary and contrasting views you can get of these guys um, that there's 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 so much information you can get each day that it's less focused on views than you would think. Mark, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks so very much for a few minutes. We really do appreciate it, and, and good luck as you go forward here. It's going to be a very busy few months for you, I'm sure. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll, you know, it'll be a lot of work, but, but uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be very good work. Outstanding. Thanks, Mark. Well, thanks, Mark, again. We appreciate it very much. Joining us on all the Kingsmen Live, that's Mark Yanetti, Kings Director of Amateur Scouting. I like, I like him a lot. I, I, absolutely. Yeah. A very bright introspective guy. guy, bright guy, and like he said, and I, I think he brought up a couple of really interesting points. Number one, he flat out told you we're taking best available. That's the attitude of the front office. We're not looking to fill a specific need necessarily. We know we have more than one, and we're just out to find the best player that we can, whether it's number five or they trade around or even with the Toronto pick later in the first round. And then the other thing is that, that I found interesting is that he basically said positions and size, not really that important to them either. It's, it's about finding the best overall talent, and I, I think that's what they have to look for. Yeah, absolutely, and, and like you said, having two first-round picks really helps his team, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Two pieces to the puzzle instead of just the one. I mean, this is this is big. Whether it's one or two or top five, I, this is huge. For Absolutely. Teams. By the way, we want to take some more of your calls before we go off the air tonight. We've got about another 20 minutes or so. 310-341-0232. 310-341-0232. Or you can hit us up on the old Twitter account, at Kingsmen Podcast. It's Rob Renner, Jesse Cohen, Dave Joseph. We are in El Segundo at the Kings facility, there was a, a big party here earlier, 
And I don't want to call it somber because anytime you're picking number five, it's hard to call it that. But no, it's somber. You, you definitely. <laughs> Jesse's somber. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, look, look, five out of five is, is somber. I absolutely uh, I think so. You're probably right. <laughs> Let's go to our next caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, I called you earlier, Corey from Miami. Oh, oh <laughs> hey, thanks for calling. What you guys would, yeah, sorry. I just, I'm wondering what you guys would think if instead of rebuilding so much, like the Kings really went after someone like Panarin and just had lines, like, so they finally had a second line. You'd have, like, Ayafalo, Kopitar, you know, Brown, as always, and then, like, Kovalchuk, Panarin, Kembe, and then you could roll, like, Carter. You know, it's like all of a sudden it, it seems to fix a lot with the new guys coming up. Well, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. All right. Well, he's getting into free agency, so we're jumping kind of out of the draft realm right now. But yeah. Forget There's a thing called the salary cap. Well, there is that. <laughs> uh, but let, let's forget Panarin specifically. He's a free agent, yes, and he is going to go probably to the highest bidder, and it sounds like he really likes New York and he likes big cities. Who knows? Maybe L.A. does fit for him. As far as, though, the idea of going deep into free agency, Jesse, you do you know. think that they're going to go that route? My guess would be no. As Dave pointed out, there is a thing called the salary cap. But if they did go into free agency, my preference would be for them to go after a blue line. Because with the trade of Jake Muzzin and you know Dion Phaneuf and Alec Martinez getting older and, and the rest of the players available being younger, it'd be nice to lock up a, a legitimate number two or number three defenseman. You know, you have Drew Doughty. Um, I don't know that they have an actual solid number two. That would be my preference. All right, fair enough. Let's go to our next caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, calling in? Yep. Yeah. Hi, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Eric. I'm calling from Dimebar. What's your question, bud? Hi, uh, so Sportsnet just updated the rankings, and they have Byram at number five right now, and he's a defenseman. And the top 11 are all centers or, you know, forwards. And he's the only defenseman up there, and he's highly rated. So it, would it be fine if the Kings drafted a defenseman when we need centers desperately right now? Well, again, and I think this goes to the point we just heard from Mark Yannetti that it's all about position. It's, it, or it's not about position. It's about best available player. Right. And, and is, is he the best available player at that point? That, that's going to be the but question. But he's also been compared down. to Drew Doughty. So, I mean, I don't, like, obviously I don't know that his ceiling is Drew Doughty's, but if, if, you have, if you have an opportunity to get a highly rated defenseman who most closely compares to Drew Doughty, I'm comfortable Does with Does he that. shoot right-handed? If Unetti, <laughs> if Unetti wants him, I'm happy with it. Thank Ab you for calling. Absolutely. We appreciate right. that call. Look, it, again, it's, it's about best available, and like you just said, if he's the best available at that spot, We'll take him. What's your name? Uh, oh, uh, did we, we lose our call? I'll just drop. Uh, no problem. Again, the uh, telephone number to reach us here over the next uh, almost 20 minutes, 310-341-0232. It's all the Kings men live as we talk about the draft lottery, which happened about uh, now two hours ago or so. The Kings falling to number five, which is the furthest down in the lottery process that they could have fallen being that they finished with the second-worst overall record. And as it turns out, they did fall all the way to five with some teams jumping ahead of them. Uh, New Jersey is going to pick number one, then the Rangers, Chicago, Colorado, and then Los Angeles. Uh, let's go to our next caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, guys, I apologize. It's Rob out here in the Inland Empire. I think my call dropped off. I oh, called you earlier. Thank no you for problem, back. Rob. Yeah, we appreciate you calling. What's go your Rango. question, my friend? Hey, so I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts and to add to your, your thinking on, and referencing to the Rangers, and do we go into that semi-rebuild? Do we just completely just wipe the slate clean and go into the full-on 
I kind of get a sense like Mark was almost waving the white flag a little bit and admitting that uh, whatever we are able to pick up at five is going to be kind of a two- to three-year process. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on, look, let's just call it, we're going to have to suck it up for two to three years and let's go all out on this thing with some high-end contracts already signed. Does that not make a little more sense? That, that's certainly, and thank you for calling back. We appreciate it. That's certainly the the rhetoric that we heard from GM Rob Blake yesterday. It's what we've been hearing from the front yeah. office is that next year is going to be a difficult year. There's tough times ahead. I think was the exact quote. And you know, I think the focus now is on, as he sort of said, putting your head down, trying to get through these rough years. There's a lot of players with difficult contracts that are going to be hard to move. It may require buyouts. It may require moving assets. It may require retaining salary, which makes the salary cap even harder to deal with. So, yeah, I don't anticipate next season being good. However, this is the optimist in me coming out. If you get half the guys on this roster to have seasons closer to what they had last year than this year, and I don't think it's a talent issue. I don't think it's a physical ability issue. I think it is that sort of you know disconnect between the coaching staff and the players, the entitlement, whatever you want to call it. I think if you get a little bit of buy-in and a little bit of bounce back from some of those players, it doesn't have to be a, a bottom five finish. You agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think you also work in some of the other players into that situation too. The Jared Anderson Dolans who had a sniff this year, the Sean Walkers who came up, the Matt Roy's who came up, the Carl Grundstrom's who are now, you know, have played a few games with the Kings. If you work those guys into the mix, does Erasmus Kapari make the team next year? Is Gabe Velarde healthy next year? Those can also you know, add to what the Kings already have. And like Jesse said, if those players, if the Dustin Browns and Kopitars and guys like that can have better seasons than what they had this year, you're back on the right track. This is all the Kings men live. We got you for about another 15 minutes. Let's take another call here. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, yeah, I'm Philip. I called earlier, but I actually have a real question now. Uh, Go for it, my friend. If you guys had to choose, who would be your top coaching candidate for the Kings? I'm sorry, say one more time. He wants to know about the top coaching candidates. Thanks for calling back in. Um... I don't know, man. I, I mean, tough one to answer right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I jokingly said earlier in the season that I think the Kings should hire a sports psychologist first before they <laughs> hired the coaching staff because you're not getting rid of Kopitar, you're not getting rid of Dowdy, and I'm not entirely sure the two of them react the same way to the same kind of coach. I think Dowdy responds. I think he, he himself said he needs a guy to kick him in the butt, and I'm not entirely sure that that's the kind of player that guys like Brown and Kopitar respond to. Um, so I don't know. You know, you have to sort of pick which which side of the coin you're favoring and then just hope that, that the coach can, can wear both. Yeah, and, and there are rumors floating around. Again, Todd McClellan is the hot name out there, and reports suggest that they've at least been in contact with him. And there is a connection between he and Rob Blake. Blake played for him when they were both in San Jose. So, Dave, I'll, I'll ask you this. Is it important to find a coach that has that connection to the front office already or do you think that they're open to the idea of at least bringing some people in that don't have that connection at all so there isn't a relationship yet and, and they're willing to take the time maybe to forge that relationship? From what I've heard and what I've read, I don't think, I don't think you need a connection. I think from what GM Rod Blake has said, he wants a proven winner, someone who's won championships, someone who has coached at the NHL level. You need all those pieces. There doesn't necessarily have to be a connection between uh, Rob or maybe Luke and whoever they hire. Uh, it just has to be someone who is coming in, who has a proven track record, who has won, who is ready to win and get this team in the right direction. I think that's the key. And I think if you look back, you might be looking at a guy, and I'm not saying uh, for the next head coach, 
but a guy like Daryl Sutter, look what Daryl right. Sutter did when he came <laughs> yeah. in. I'm not saying Daryl Sutter by any stretch. <laughs> what I'm saying is you need a guy like that because they flourished when they hired Daryl Sutter, and this team reacted to that well. Did it run its course? Did it play out over time? Yes, it did. But you need a guy similar to that who's going to push all the right buttons on this team. Let's take our next caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, my name is Brandon Graham. I'm calling from New Jersey. Hey, Brandon, another New Jersey caller. What are the What's chances? Here? <laughs> are you here to brag about <laughs> your right, devils? Right, yeah, no, I know. I was listening to you guys before, and I was hearing that a you know another person from New Jersey called. So I thought that would be pretty funny. <laughs> Absolutely, my friend. Well, what's your question for us? Uh, my question is, um, well, as a New Jersey Devils fan, sorry, I'm not a I'm not an LA Kings fan. That's like okay. <laughs> but in any case, um, you know, since you guys are choosing fifth overall, I think that. You guys might want to go with Alex Turcotte. I mean, I know that he was, you know, injured there for the first couple months, but I really feel like after that he just basically went back to the, his same form that, you know, he was predicted, you know, early in the prospect season. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for the call. Thanks we appreciate going, it. Turcotte's one of the guys that is high on the list. He's one of the guys that we actually talked to Mark Yanetti about a little bit because he's part of that national developmental program here in the United States. And like he just said, like the caller just said, it sounds like Turcotte, minus that injury that he battled early in the season, is a guy who really can score. Uh, two points per game playing with Hughes on that first line for the national developmental team. Uh, I think it was a – I don't remember what the injury was exactly, but I don't think it's any reason to be worried about it. Um, we're, t- we're talking about a guy that they think can play 200 feet. You know, who knows? I Again, you know, we look at the prospects almost like I think everybody else does. We can read all that we want. We can watch some video. You can watch the juniors, which I, I think we all did uh, when they were up in Vancouver a couple of months ago, and Jack Hughes barely played in that tournament. And maybe even from that tournament, you can deduce the fact that, well, you think ah, Jack Hughes might not be all that great. He didn't wind up scoring all that much. And then you realize it's just a few games. And then you see the rest of the resume, and you're like, yeah, this guy's really, really darn good. But, and keep in mind, keep in mind, these scouts have seen these guys a million times. so many times. Yeah. They've got a book on every one of these guys. And, they're, and, and Rob Blake is going to go to them and say, so who do we pick? Right. Who have you seen? Who impresses you the most? We need to know right now. Now, there is one player that I want to ask your opinion on, guys, and I'll start with you, Jesse. Vasily Podkolzin. Mm-hmm. He's the Russian player, a kid who, according to everything you read about him, yeah. could be an absolute star, but there's concerns that he might not be willing to come over right away to the U.S. to play in the NHL. How much do you think teams are going to shy away from him based on that? I think it's probably organization to organization. I just know personally I get a little hinky when it comes to – right. it's, it's tough enough to predict how an 18-year-old is going to project anyway. Then you start getting into the fact that he's under contract to his KHL team through I think the 21 – summer of 21. You start getting into the deal between the NHL and the KHL as far as transfer rights. You get – you know, are the players going to go to the Olympics or not – Relations between the states and Russia are not ideal at the best of times. Like, it's a lot to add on to the fact that you have no idea if this 18-year-old kid is going to be any good. So, I mean, I I just tend to be really conservative in these situations, and I would try and avoid as many complications as possible. That may not be fair to the player. It's probably not. But that's my instinct. Fair enough. You agree with that, the idea of staying away from a guy who you may not have for a couple of years? Uh, yeah, but that being said, I do agree with that. But that being said, if the, if the scouting staff is that high on that, on that particular player at five, there's going to be no hesitation. If they say, this is the guy we want, this is the player we've seen, we've seen him play 25 times, 50 times, we love this guy, there will be no hesitation. Uh, 
I get where Jesse's coming from, though. There's got to be a little bit yeah. of a hitch there to say, hmm, it might be easier if we bring in a player who's playing in the Western Hockey League. or so. You know what I mean? It's, just, the, it's easier, Yeah, the, maybe? The caveat I'll add to that is when they drafted Voinov and Loktyanov, uh, both of those players said they would come to the States, they would play junior, they'd play in the CHL, and they'd commit to the path. And they both did, right? And, you know, I can't remember. They, dra they drafted Voinov in 08, and he didn't really crack the lineup until the, the Jeff Carter trade in 12. So, I mean, there's a guy who put in four years – Never mind what happened after that. Right. But <laughs> but Loktyanov and, and Voinov both cracked the lineup in that cup run in 2012. So it's, if you can get an assurance from Pod Colson that he's willing to do right what it takes and commit to the system, then I got no problem with him, right? And obviously we've seen Ovechkin and 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 uh, Malkin and plenty of players, and there's no problem, and they have long, lengthy, wonderful careers in the NHL. So I mean, I'm not trying to say don't take a kid from Russia. I just I'd want to know that you have that commitment because, like I said, he is under contract uh, till I believe, right. the end of the 2021 season. We've uh, just got a few more minutes now, about seven more minutes, 310-341-0232, or tweet us at Kingsmen Podcast. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, about the defensive player that we heard one of our callers talk about, and that's uh, Bowen Byram. It sounds like, again, one of the only kids who probably is going to go in the top ten as a defensive player uh, pretty good player, obviously, to get into that top ten. Uh, a kid that is really tearing it up at the WHL from the defensive side. A good offensive defenseman. Do you look at a kid like that and say, you know what, this this might be our diamond in the rough on the blue line based on the fact that he's the only guy listed in the top ten as far as the prospects go? So one of the reasons I really liked Dean Lombardi when he came in was that he said stuff that made perfect sense. And I feel like everybody should say to themselves every day, but for whatever reason we don't. And that is when you build a team – you build from goalie to defense to centers to wing. And I think it's – I mean, it doesn't require too much math to realize that there's fewer goalies than there are defensemen and there's fewer defensemen than there are centers and there's fewer centers than there are wingers. And, and the you know, the impact that any player at those given positions can have on a team is magnified just by virtue of the fact that there's less of them. You know, Drew Doughty plays 30 minutes a game. Andre Kopitar plays 23 minutes a game. So if you have two players who are a coin toss as far as value, right, like if it's Cousins versus Byram, then, yeah, you take Byram because he's the defenseman. So, yeah, if, if the scouting staff says, you know, four through ten is a toss-up and you can have whatever one of them you want, I think you got to take the defenseman. The question is just if you really believe that the forwards around him are better, you know, are going to be better prospects than he is, then okay, fine, but... You build from the back out. I don't care how small the league gets. I don't care how fast the league gets. I don't care how talented the league gets. I doubt very much that the game of hockey will change so much that that shouldn't still be your guiding principle. The Kings have a lot of goalies in the pipeline. They don't have quite as many defensemen in the pipeline. I feel like they've, they're good on forwards. Um, so, yeah, if, if he's the number one five consensus then and he's I, a left shot. Yeah, exactly. Let's uh, let's go a little <laughs> bit deeper into that just really quick with our last five minutes. I want to ask you about the current system that the Kings do have. You meant, uh, you just said, excuse me, that they have a lot of goaltending talent. We know about Cal Peterson came up, posted a 2.61 GAA last season, a 9.24 save percentage. He may be the future at the position for them. Velarde was the number one pick in 2017, played in Ontario last year. There's Clegg, there's uh, Anderson Dolan, who you brought up earlier, Dave, uh, and Akil Thomas, who sounds like he's great, and Grunstrom, who they got in the trade with Muzzin. 
Where do you think, Jesse, I'll start with you. Where do you think the system is right now with the Kings? How deep do you think it is? Is it thin? Is Do they need a lot more talent? Where are they right now? I mean, the reality is this is one of those questions that I think lots of people get paid a lot of money to make stuff up about. There's 31 teams at this point, and each team has a AHL team, and each team has a reserve list and guys in the juniors, and those guys are playing against 15- and 16-year-olds sometimes. So, I mean, we could say Akil Thomas looks great, and he does, but, like, I have no idea how... Does it translate? Yeah, like, playing right. against 16- and 17-year-olds and a couple of overage 20-year-olds that'll be, you know, investment bankers five years from now. Like, I, I don't know how. I don't know. Um, all You know, or even Cal Peterson, right, in the AHL, which is a professional league. His numbers don't look that great. He comes up in the NHL, and he's dynamite. And right. we've heard explanations for that. The plays break down easier. Shots are coming from weird places in the AHL. So, I mean, I'm comfortable. I'm happy with the Kings prospect. Uh, group, whatever you want to call it. I feel like they took the last two seasons, they stopped trading first-round picks and second-round picks away. They started holding on to their players. Velarde's a bit of a lark because, honestly, it's just uncommon. And, and like I said with Pud Colson, you want to avoid players with complications, and his back injury clearly has been a, a, uh, a complication. But Anderson Dolan appears to be every bit the professional hockey player in training. Uh, Cal Peterson looks great. We've heard that Sean Dersey is the best power play quarterback in the uh, CHL. That was from the play-by-play announcer uh, from the Guelph. No, not from the Guelph Storm, the team that he played for before he was traded to Guelph. Pardon me for not remembering. That was the, team the, Mar- that is, the Marlies. Uh, no, right? that was uh, Grunstrom. Grunstrom, Grunstrom the played for the Marlies. Dersey right. was still in juniors. But anyway, um, Grunstrom looks great, right? He's come up, and he was on a 30-goal pace in his time in L.A., um, who am I missing here? We got Wagner. Wagner looks fantastic. We got Luff still down in Ontario, yep. who needs probably needs to round out the back half. Amadio. Amadio is a is a you know can proves he can play. Walker and Roy on defense. Yeah. Kale Clegg, who's been in Ontario, who suffered a foot injury. That's at the end right. Of a broken foot. Uh, and but he was having a better ha- second half of the season. There's plenty of guys and, and in that up and coming. There's Ingham and there's Rennick and you know there's Matt Valalta and Valalta. Yeah, and yeah. there's still ten guys that are going to join the organization you know, if they don't make any trades. Right. Um, and if they do make trades of current roster guys, that's even more talent more spot, and picks yeah. to come in. Yep. And I have to come back and, and beat the coaching drum, but that's the sort of thing that can turn a player, a, a borderline player, into a contributor. You know, you've got a guy like Grunstrom. He comes in, he plays, what, 15 games, and he scores five goals, five, I think, six five goals, or six yeah. goals in yeah. those 15 games. If the next coach comes in, gives him minutes on the second line, finds the right combination, then, boom, you've got a second-line legitimate NHL player. If he comes in and gives him fourth-line minutes and third-line minutes and asks him to play a checking role and commit to a system of hockey that maybe doesn't, work in today's league that's according to everybody right. else i don't buy it but <laughs> but you know what i mean like then then maybe you don't have a second line player yeah. so these are the sorts of things that that can tip uh, a development court and, and keep way. in mind with the new you just mentioned the new coach with the new coach and you also have number 17 in the king's lineup uh, that's another basically you're getting a free player and he's not free he's making a lot of money but free in the sense that he didn't get a lot of playing time this year he was injured for a little bit he got relegated to third and fourth line minutes didn't play a whole lot with a new coach, does he get a new lease on life? Does he get a new chance? Is there is there an, an opportunity there for him to play first line minutes, second line minutes? That's like adding a whole new player to your roster. And and is there the capability that he could score twenty or thirty goals in the season? 
Yeah, I think there is if he plays the right amount of minutes. So that's just like adding another player to the roster, which, yeah. which I think is great. Agreed. Uh, our thanks again to Mark Yanetti for joining us a little while ago, Kings Director of Amateur Scouting. Appreciate his time. Before we get off the air, just a really quick thought, Dave, on the overall night fifth pick as compared to what you were hoping was going to be one or two. Yeah, certainly not what, what I was hoping for. I'm sure the organization was hoping for, but again, you're looking at a top five pick. I don't think you're going to go wrong. You're not getting Hughes. You're not getting Capo, as Mark Yanetti said, but you're going to end up with a really good pick who probably will be NHL ready in two to three years, maybe four tops. Jesse? <laughs> All right. I'll be positive. Wow. <laughs> Shocker. No, look, a top five pick <laughs> is, is going to get you a good player. Right. The last time the Kings had the fifth row pick, they drafted Braden Shen. I think they would have been perfectly happy to have Braden Shen's career, but they traded him uh, w along with Wayne Simmons for Mike Richards. I'm not saying they should ever trade the player taken in the fifth. I'm just saying you can see the kind of value that a player taken in the spot takes. Vancouver drafted Elias Patterson. Did Elias? I finally get Elias? Elias. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You're close. Now you're just changing it <laughs> no, every I'm time not. I say it. No, and it's Patterson. <laughs> Patterson, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's entirely possible that they get a kid like that who can actually be part of the, you know, the new coaching staff, the new movement to sort of inject some life back into this Kings team. Absolutely. Fair enough. We also want to thank our engineer tonight, Jake. Great job on the board. Want to thank Larry back in the studio. Uh, Wonderful job by him as well. For Dave, for Jesse, I'm Rob. Thanks so very much for joining us for the first ever All the Kings Men Live here on the Kings iHeart Radio Network.